0: Many of us say that we're willing to endure any difficult thing that God calls us to do. Gracia Burnham knows what it's like to live that claim out.
1: One day we were walking through a swamp, waist high swamps. We'd just been in a gun battle. There were wounded. They were dragging them through the swamps. We were exhausted. The military came up over the hill and opened fire on us like they'd done, you know, sixteen times before. And Martin was laying there bleeding from his chest, and I was shot in the leg, and I remember just having a peace in my heart. Jesus never promised His followers an easy path. In fact, He told His disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of His followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We have a very special privilege today. In our studio with us, we have Gracia Burnham, former hostage in the Philippines, somebody that many of our listeners will recognize her name. Many of our listeners will have prayed for you Mm. while you were in the Philippines, so Welcome, Gracia. It's a privilege to have you here.
1: Thank you. It's my honor to be here.
0: Gracia is the author of two books, and uh, one, In the Presence of My Enemies, talks about your experience in the Philippines. And one of the things that you and Martin managed to do, I, I think, from-, from reading your book and from hearing you speak, is you, you managed to balance, we want to reach these guys and we love them because they need the gospel— At the same time, you were very clear, they're the bad guys. Mm. They're they're our enemies. They're holding us against our will. How did you do that? Was that a a spiritual gift? Was that more Martin than you? Kind of talk to us about Um, that.
1: We talked that out because you've heard of the Stockholm Syndrome, I'm sure, where a person being held hostage takes on the grievances of those holding him we did see that start happening to us. So we would, every once in a while, we would say, okay, who are the good guys? The good guys are the ones shooting at us. <laughs> who are the bad guys? The bad guys are the ones shielding you in a gun battle and feeding you and making sure you have some water, because it did kind of get all convoluted in your, in your mind. We would remind ourselves who the good guys were, who the bad guys were. And yes, the Abu Sayyaf were dirty rats, and they still are. But Jesus died for dirty rats, and we're all the same. We're awful sinners in need of God's grace ourselves, and there but by the grace of God go I. God taught us some pretty important lessons. Maybe it took a year in the jungle to learn them all, but yeah, we started seeing their neediness and the, the end, the end of what they were doing, their destruction, and it, kind of, it broke our hearts.
0: One of the things that I appreciate about your writing is you're very honest in sharing your experiences and sharing even some of the maybe not ex- not good experiences. You mm. talk about the fact that while you were held captive, you weren't always joyful in your suffering.
1: <laughs> well, that's an understatement. <laughs> I got a good look at myself when suddenly everything was taken away. And what I saw was shocking because I thought I was a pretty good person. You know, we'd left the American dream and we'd gone overseas and given our lives to help people. And suddenly everything was gone. And I saw the hatred in my heart. And when someone had food and they didn't share it with us and we were starving, I coveted their food. And I thought I was above that. And all of a sudden, my, my world came crashing in, and I saw what I really was, and it shocked me. I just had to ask God, could you start building good things back into me? And, you know, God's faithful. He, he did. He does.
0: So uh, almost that was a, a spiritual reset for you.
1: You know, that's a good way to put it. It truly was. I didn't realize how I had been just kind of coasting through my Christian walk, or I don't even know how to say it. And I had to go back and decide again what do I believe? There were days when I thought God had forgotten us. There was one day, about 10 weeks into our captivity, I decided. God didn't love me anymore because if God loved me, I wouldn't still be here because we'd been begging him to get us out of there. And that led to depression and being hard to get along with and crying all the time. And I was sitting by the river one day and Martin came and sat down and said, "Gracious, it's so sad to see you giving up your faith. And I said, oh, I'm not giving up my faith. I still believe that God made everything and Jesus died for our sin. I just don't think God loves me. And Martin very gently, as always, said, Oh, seems to me, you believe it all, or you don't believe it at all. He said, You need to decide what you believe. And I sat there and thought, Okay, Scripture tells me that God loves me. I've loved you with an everlasting love with loving kindness. I've drawn you to myself. And I started thinking all all those verses about love and thought, okay, maybe I'm not feeling it right now. It's not working for me, but God's Word says that He loves me. That was kind of the reset. I thought, okay, I'm going to take God's Word for what it is, and I'm going to believe it. I'm going to hang on to it with everything I've got because I'm in a bad place and I can't help myself. May as well let God do it,
0: right? It's interesting that you talk about separating what you believe from your feelings the thought that comes to my mind is marriage you know marriage is easy when you feel it mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's the times where you really don't feel it and, yes. and what are you going to do and i think spiritually that's true too how did you fight through that process how did you fight through that lack of feelings and just questioning
1: you know i think i just kept deciding over and over i remember one day we were starving We hadn't had anything to eat in days, and I thought of David's words in Psalm that talk about, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's children begging bread, and we were begging, and I felt forsaken. And I thought, you know, uh, just because David's never seen it doesn't mean it's not happening. And I, I thought, well, why is my God shall supply all your needs? Why is that in Scripture if it's not true? So I just kept making decisions. I kept thinking, okay, God's word says it. It must be true. It's not working for me right now, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to hang on to that. There was nothing else to hang on to. I couldn't trust our captors. They didn't have our best interests at heart. I wasn't strong enough. There was nothing left to trust looked up and sought the Lord and came to know him in a whole new way. He revealed himself to me in a whole new way. So I still have lots of questions, but I know the one, you know, Who I know God. Yeah, yeah, I know him better now.
0: Talk a little bit about how he ministered to you, because I think that's that's a story we hear from other persecuted Christians as well. In that desperate moment, God came and ministered. Tell us kind of what that was like.
1: You know, he often did it when I was sitting by myself singing hymns to myself. I used to go through the alphabet: A, a mighty fortress is our God. You know, B, uh, for C I think it was "Country Roads" take me home, <laughs> something <laughs> crazy. But I like that. One, but huh? I would, I would sing the great hymns of the faith to myself: A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark. He never fails. He's our helper amidst the flood. And I would put myself into those awesome words that someone wrote ever so long ago. The other thing God gave me was Martin. You know, I didn't know what sort of man I was married to. I, I knew he was a neat Christian, but never understood before our captivity, his Christ-likeness. And he, he would encourage me things that would come out of his mouth. Um, At one point, someone paid a ransom for us. You know, That's what we'd all been waiting for. And we could all go home. And some of the money came into camp. And the guys sat down and had a big meeting and called us over and said, someone's paid a ransom for you, but we've decided it's not enough. And we're going to ask for more. And I was devastated. And as I went to bed that night, Martin kind of nudged me and said, Gracia, I'm so glad when Jesus paid a ransom for us. It was enough. You know, just putting my my mind back on the Lord or never blaming me for stupid things I would do. Like one day I lost our backpack. It had everything we owned in there, and I left it beside the trail when I was off going to the bathroom and and Martin very gently said to me, uh, "Gracia, I forgive you." Now you need to forgive yourself. You know, just so many kind things came out of his mouth and he encouraged me. God gave me hymns and God gave me Martin and
0: used his word, often used his word. And it's interesting that you say that you learned a lot about him because it's not like you were newlyweds. You had been married for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And yet his character was so revealed through that fire. It
1: really was. I think a lot of us women are living with amazing men, but life has just kind of gotten in the way. You know, they leave their socks hanging around, or they haven't cleaned the garage, and you've been nagging him about that, and you know, life just happens, and you start getting nitpicky, but all of a sudden, the chips are down, and you're down to nothing, and this man just steps up and leads you, and encourages you to be godly and I'm so glad I had that opportunity. I I've always been happy that I had those months with Martin in the jungle to really get to know him.
0: What is the response because I know you're going around to the American church, you're sharing, you're sharing at VOM conferences. What is the response of the American church when you share your story?
1: I think what people mostly say to me is thank you for telling us your story. We were praying for you, and we are so glad to hear what God was doing in your heart while we were praying. The other thing I hear them say is, stories like yours encourage us with our walk. I'm facing some really big hardships today, but I hear your story, and mine doesn't compare with yours. They normally add that. You know, my my story doesn't compare with yours, and since when are we comparing stories? Everything's a trial when you're going through it. But they say, you know, the same God that led you through the jungle is going to lead me through my problem today. Isn't that cool? That happens. We hear stories of people who have overcome, and it encourages us to keep going. And
0: I, I want to follow up because you said many of the people say, "Hey, we prayed for you." Mm. One of the things we always do on Voice of the Martyrs radio is we tell people you got to pray. You've been there, you've seen the prayer from the other side. Tell us what those prayers meant. Tell us tell us why we should pray. Oh
1: boy. I had no idea how many people were praying for us. There would be days when All of a sudden, I knew people were praying. One day, we were walking through a swamp, waist-high swamps. We'd just been in a gun battle. There were wounded. They were dragging them through the swamps. We were exhausted, and I remember thinking, all of a sudden, people are praying for us right now, but I had no idea. I thought my mom and a few other people then got home and found out that Voice of the Martyrs and other Christian radio stations we're praying for us, and it suddenly made sense. You know, the body of Christ, we really can hold each other up, and we need people holding us up, or we're not going to make it. So now, it's very important that I go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. It's very important that that I pray for others, because I know how much I needed it.
0: I hope that our listeners grab a hold of that and, and think on that a little bit, and the fact that There are people right now who need those prayers. Mm -hmm. They're in those jungles. They're in those jail cells. One of the things that I often pray as we pray for the persecuted is, Lord, let them know that we're praying for them. So I'm thrilled to hear you say that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did. He reminded you, hey, there's people praying for you. He did. Tell us some good news because I know you still hear – reports from the Philippines. You still hear reports from some of the guys who were your captors. Share share some of the good news.
1: Oh, well, through a series of events, I found out that there was an American couple working in a maximum security prison in Manila with some of the very men who held us captive. So I started asking them, who's there? Maybe I know them. And probably about 23 of them are in maximum security and this couple works with them and with other people of course in the prison every other summer we get together and plan projects that we can do for these men in the prison and ways to show the love of christ to them and some of them are going to bible studies and asking for the scriptures in their own dialects and word is that so far four of them have come to know the lord jesus as their savior you know it's not over till it's over We just keep praying. And I don't know if the listening audience thinks about me every once in a while, pray for those guys in prison. Their day of grace isn't over. They have today. And that's what Martin used to tell me when I would say, why is this going on for so long? Why are we still here in the presence of our enemies? And Martin would say, you know, I I think God's given these guys one more day of grace, one more day to do it right, to turn to him, to hear the gospel. And maybe that's what our job is right here. Their day of grace isn't over, and I, I just have to hope and think that I'm going to see some of them in heaven one day, and it's not going to matter what happened here on earth. You know, God's going to get the victory, and I'm just praying that they're with me in heaven. Amen. God was good to us. Yeah.
0: I heard you say something this morning that I've not heard you say previously, and it was about your kids. You said that while you were captive You couldn't let yourself think about the kids. Mm. Why not? Tell us about that.
1: I found that if I started thinking about the kids and what they were going through and trying to figure out, oh, are they a mess? You know, are they uh, falling apart? I would become hysterical if I thought about the kids. So when the kids came to mind, this may sound so hard hearted. I would just tell myself the kids are fine and I would take care of myself. There were a few times when Martin and I in the evening would say, what do you think the kids are doing? And we would all think really happy thoughts like, <laughs> oh, they're at a football game tonight. Maybe they're buying cotton candy. Maybe they're having a Coke and some popcorn. You know, we would try to think happy things about the kids. But I didn't often think about them because I, I knew they were going through a traumatic situation as well. And I didn't know how they were handling it, but there was nothing I could do about it. And it upset me greatly. So I knew I just needed to keep myself in line.
0: But then after you got back with your kids, you saw how God had, Mm. he'd he'd taken care of it. Oh, goodness. So share, how did he do that?
1: Yeah, I, I came home. I didn't know what to expect from the children. What I didn't know was they didn't know what to expect from me. And... um. I saw that they were the same kids. They were just a year older, and they seemed so well-adjusted. And I thought, how can this be? And then I started meeting the people that God had surrounded them with, their teachers at school. And they went to a public school, but their teachers loved Jesus, and their youth pastor and their pastor at church, and their grandma and grandpa, Martin's mom and dad, is who the kids went home to live with for that year. And they are people of great faith. So they were surrounded by these people who loved the Lord and were trusting him. And the kids were fine. And what the kids said to me was, Mom, we're so glad that one of you got to come home. We didn't want to be orphans. We wanted one of you to come home. And that's exactly what Martin and I were praying in the jungle. Oh, Lord, let one of us go home. Of course, we wanted both of us to come home. But the kids chose to see the good side of things. And the kids love the Lord. The kids have a heart for the Lord. They're they're involved in missions and ministry, and uh, God's just really been good to me on on that front. I haven't had to worry about the kids.
0: Has there ever been a time where they struggled with? Uh, as a as a son, I think my one of my thoughts would be, God, why did you take away my father? Have they? gone through that and come out the other side or did God just protect them from that if the
1: kids have ever struggled with God why did you take my dad they have never said that to me I don't think they've struggled with that they've all had their chances to uh, share with others what they went through and I've never gotten to hear it so I don't actually know what they're saying you know Jeff when he was at Liberty University would speak in dorm devotions, and Mindy did some evangelistic teas when she was in school in Wisconsin, and Zach has spoken with kids' groups, but I've never heard them. I think what they're saying is, God's faithful. When you go through a hard time, God's faithful. God is going to be faithful to you because you're his child.
0: And I think it's interesting that Your kids have a heart for ministry and are involved in ministry because, you know, sometimes you go into things and you don't really know what it's going to cost you. They clearly know this could be very costly, and yet they've gone that direction with their lives. And I think that that speaks highly to their own faith and to they recognize that God is good even when there's suffering involved. Mm.
1: You know, um, Steve St., Nate Saint's son. I don't know. Nate Saint was the pilot that was killed in the jungle by the Alka Indians. And Steve Saint spent some time with my children on several different occasions because he could relate to them. His dad had died in the jungle like my kids. And several things he said to the kids were things I never could say. Like he told the children, the way you live your life will validate What your dad died for Wow, That's something I never Would have said to my children I never wanted to push them Into missions Or ministry or anything like that I wanted them to be who they are But isn't that neat that someone who's been there And lost his father Could say those things to my children And I think my kids doing well Has just been God's special gift to me somehow I I don't take any credit for that I think it was God's just special favor on me.
0: Well, and I think it also is honoring Martin's legacy. Yeah, um, that that God would protect them. Gracia, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your ministry to our VOM listeners and readers. Thank you.
1: You are welcome, Todd. It's it's been an honor to be here, and I want to thank everybody who prayed for me out there in Radio Land. Oh boy, we needed it.
0: Thank you so much, Gracia, for sharing your story with us. You know, one of the things that I so appreciate about Gracia is just how transparent she is, uh, that uh, every day in the jungle was not a day of rejoicing and happiness. Uh, There were days she was angry. There were days she was frustrated. There were days she was depressed. And her transparency, I think, just connects with every one of us who are maybe going through a difficult time and maybe— we're not feeling very joyful right now. Uh, so I so appreciate, Gracia sharing that and being transparent with us. Thank you so much, Gracia. You know, a couple weeks ago, we had Cole Richards and Jonathan Ekman on Voice of the Martyrs Radio talking about 2021, talking about the things that are coming up. One of the things that Cole Richards mentioned is something that I am very excited about, I have a book coming out from Moody Publishers. The release date is March the 2nd. The book is called When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. These are 40 of the best and most inspiring stories that I've heard in 20-plus years working here at Voice of the Martyrs. I believe these stories are going to inspire you. I believe if you spend 40 days meeting persecuted Christians and hearing their stories on day 41, your faith is going to be different. The book's already up for pre-order at the different online book retailers, so wherever you buy books, you can pre-order now a copy of When Faith is Forbidden. We'll have more information on getting a copy from VOM as we get closer to launch day, which again is March the 2nd. We're working on a launch team to sort of help get the book off the ground, get the marketing process going. If you'd like to know about that launch team, just sign up at vomradio.net for the email list there. You'll get an email every week introducing our guest for that week's episode, telling you what we'll be talking about that week on VOM Radio. You'll also get an email in a couple of weeks talking about how you can be a part of the launch team for When Faith is Forbidden. So again, come to vomradio.net and just go down there. There's a place to put in your email address and get updates. Put in your email address and you'll get an update in just a couple of weeks about the launch team. Next week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're going to talk with a member of our staff helping VOM deliver gospel materials all over the world. He's helping us to bypass firewalls and equip the church in places like China and Iran and Nigeria. I know you'll be inspired by that conversation. You'll also find out how you can access some of these tools that are available as well. All of that is happening next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.